into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson, Michael Browns. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? I'm swell. How are you, Browns? I'm, uh, I'm doing all right. I, uh, no, nothing new over here. BC, I figured you'd be in a little bit of a down mood, given that Shane Bieber just shoved one up your boys the other day. <laughs> Man. Hostile right off the bat. <laughs> um, hey, I got to get these in because I don't know how long the baseball season might be sticking around. Uh, yeah, your boy Bieber is pretty good. I'll give him that. Um, it's one thing to shut down the lowly Kansas City Royals, but uh, to do it to our guys, our powerhouse squad, that says another thing. So I, what is, what's he got, like 26 strikeouts in two games? Is that what it is? 27. He, tied, he tied Carl Spooner. Who I don't know if anybody's ever heard of. But. Spooner. Yeah, the, the, the spoon. Yeah. He, the guy only pitched two and a half years in the majors, but one of those years he started the season with 27 strikeouts. So. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. I'd never yeah. heard of Carl Spooner. But so that, that – there was a tidbit for me out of this podcast right there. That's all I needed. <laughs> well, we will uh, – we'll move on from Carl Spooner. To, to dive into a little bit of some recruiting talk. We, we mentioned on the Tuesday podcast, I was at the Warren Academy Showcase and we talked a lot about Thomas Bedoni and James Carney. And maybe even, I can't remember if we got into Caden Helms or not, but Caden Helms has since picked up a Nebraska offer. He's a wide receiver, tight end hybrid. I think he's going to be a tight end for Nebraska or for all the teams that offer him really. Six foot four, six five, 210 pounds. He's, he's got you know, a nice catching radius. He looks very comfortable in the receiving aspect of being a tight end. I think he's going to have to get better as a blocker because that's not something he's had to do a lot. And he kind of even said that's, that's where he needs to get better. And, and, you know, for Bellevue West, they're going to spread him out still. And so he's not going to have kind of a natural tight end position probably until he gets to college, but certainly a guy that Nebraska didn't want to wait on any longer. Purdue came in with an offer as well. I would expect some other, power five offers over the next week or so. That's usually how that works. And if you talk to some people who cover the Metro or spend a lot of time watching Metro football or coach in the Metro, Caden Helms might be the best out of, uh, out of the Helms and Micah Riley and, and, you know, even maybe a little Devin Jackson. I, I heard that he's being slept on by the recruiting services in terms of how good he can be. I did see him on Saturday I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was solid, but I, I definitely feel like there's a lot of, a lot of work to be done for him to be a very, very good tight end. But you can see the the bones of of the structure that teams are excited about. From Caden Helms, I'll move over to Deshaun Woods because we didn't really get into him at all. Kind of a fascinating guy in that he has a six foot four frame, and his arms are really long. Like his arms look like he's a tackle. He's got the size of a guard, and yet he's very slender. He looks more like a tight end. It's kind of a weirdly put-together guy, uh, and really he did, he did a nice job at this camp. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of defensive players that, that matched up in terms of acumen or potential uh, to, to him, but in one-on-ones he did well. But you can still see where he's got a lot of work to do, and I think that's always kind of the thing about these camps is that You sort of expect these Nebraska kids to come in, the ones that are highly touted or have offers, and you think that they're, you know, near-finished products, and they still have a lot of things that they can work on. Uh, And in particular, 
you know, with Deshaun Woods, it's going to be that first step. He's leaving himself off balance. And if a guy crossed him, uh, if he was playing on the left side, which is a big challenge for him because he's only played on the right side so far. So he's challenging himself with his camp, working at the left tackle spot. He left himself off balance. And so it's little stuff like that. I mean, again, we, we expect these guys to be a little bit more complete package uh, than what reality is. And they still have a lot of technique and a lot of things to refine by the time they would even get to campus. So Deshaun Woods, a guy that uh, is certainly going to be watched. He's now number one in the state of Nebraska per 24-7 sports uh, and shot up, I think, to the 135 spot or 130 spot uh, right there in their, their ranking. So it was, it was good to see him. And then talking of him, he's not worried about his recruitment at all. He really likes Greg Austin. He loves that Nebraska has invested a lot of time and attention into the offensive line going forward. Uh, he enjoys talking to Teddy Prohaska, and I think he's going to get to know Henry Lutovsky pretty quickly. I think that those relationships will help out. But he is certainly not in any rush to, to make a decision. Um, and I feel good about where Nebraska sits, but he's one of those guys his profile is going to continue to increase. And you see a six foot four kid that's 270 with super long arms that moves well you're going to have a lot of programs that are going to have interest in him. So Deshaun Woods also kind of stood out at that camp. Other than that, I mean, you had some guys that uh, have some real, you know, walk-on potential. Chris Graham's a kid out of Omaha, Burke. That's an offensive lineman. He's an interior guy. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we're talking about him, you know, at a homegrown event, attending something like that. Uh, trying to think of other notables. I mean, there was – and just going outside of the state of Nebraska, I mean – Eli Raritan is the nephew, and I am saying this correctly, the nephew of John Raritan, former Nebraska offensive lineman. John Raritan was the son of, I believe, Scott Raritan, who was a, an alum and played for Nebraska as well. Uh, Eli is a tight end prospect. He's a 2022. He's starting to hear from quite a few programs as well. So I'll be curious if he comes on the radar for Nebraska. But those are – those are some of the guys. If there's somebody that uh, you two can think of that I've written about or talked about that I didn't mention there, uh, I can definitely jump into it. But those are kind of the, the names to know at this point. I thought your story on Deshaun Woods was, uh, was good because it, he really seems like somebody who is impressive in how he's able to shut out the noise, you know, as far as uh, not just like from pundits, but from – coaches like it, it sounded like he he doesn't take every call and all that stuff and I can understand that if you're a teenager and you're you're getting hit up all the time you've got to have sort of a line you draw where um this is how much time I'm going to devote to recruiting and I, I gotta also you know grow up as a kid here too and just you know be with my friends and stuff so I thought that was an interesting story I remember doing a, one on him a few months back and he said his favorite teams growing up were Nebraska and Clemson and he's got an interesting connection, which I will detail more in time with Abdul Muhammad, the former Husker on the championship teams in the 90s, uh, because Deshaun Woods would go to the Boys and Girls Club in North Omaha, and Abdul was kind of a mentor to him there and has taken him to a lot of Husker practices and games growing up. So um, he does have a link to Nebraska football uh, through his mentor that's kind of neat. Yeah, for sure. And he actually mentioned Abdul Muhammad, too, in, in our kind of brief conversation, or at least during one of the interviews uh, that he had going on. And you're right. I mean, there's a lot of attention that gets put on these guys. And I know that 
seemingly there's nothing else going on so they could just focus on recruiting. But you, Steve Warren mentioned this to me when I talked to him, you know, leading up to this camp. And we talked about what was so different about his recruitment versus, you know, what's going on now. And besides just obviously everything. But he said specifically the thing that's so different to him is that he used to have to spend every night sitting by the home kitchen phone waiting for coaches to call. And it's a little different now that these kids can go out and they can, they can do things and coaches can come to them with messages and eventually they can, they can start calling them directly on the phone. But uh, even then he said that, you know, it, it gets to be so much that you wonder what you're sacrificing by just sitting around waiting for your phone to ring. And it, I, I do appreciate that Deshaun Woods, and he's only going into his junior year, isn't worried about that at this point. I mean, he just – he wants to go – basically he said his schedule is, is this. He, he works, then he works out, and then he goes and, and sees what his friends are up to. And I mean, uh, it was a long time ago, but when I was 16, that sounds pretty spot on to what I would have been doing in the summer too. Replace working out with, you know, making sure the mound was prepped every day over at the uh, in, in Columbus when I wasn't pitching. But other than that, I'm in pretty spot on for being 16 years old. Uh, and kind of going back to the last episode when we talked Fedoni and, and James Carney and, you know, Caden Helms um, and some of the other guys in state, I mean, it, it's kind of remarkable the, the run of tight end talent that's kind of coming up right now. In, uh, in Nebraska and in the area. I mean, I, I think there's an opportunity for Nebraska to really hit on some of these guys and, and bring in some difference makers from the program. Yeah, and I don't know if that's just because everybody is basically this weird hybrid basketball football player now and everyone's six foot three to six foot five and they all weigh somewhere between 200 and 225 pounds. But yeah, there's a lot of tight ends and there's a lot of linebacker looking type players too. And, um, you know, Nebraska needs to, to take advantage of that. It, it works out well in, in regard that those are two positions where they're continually trying to figure out the right mix of, uh, of what they want between power and, and athleticism. And, you know, between Mike O'Reilly, Caden Helms, James Carney, Thomas Fedoni, Chris Hickman, uh, that's a lot of in-state players in the last couple of years. And there's guys, you know, Bryce Stye went to Ohio. There's guys all over that that uh, have other opportunities too. So you're you're absolutely right. Uh, and Nebraska, it seems to be in a good position that they will get at least a couple of those guys. And so um, then from there, how do they develop and and how do they turn out? But it does really feel like there's just a lot of that body profile right now of six foot three to six five. And uh, if you're Nebraska, you try to take advantage of it the best that you can. Um, before we before we go to break here, what what are we hearing, guys, schedule-wise, as it relates to Nebraska, the Big Ten, the Big Ten Conference as a whole? Brian? Don't you want it? <laughs> <laughs> That's the proper answer, is actually to just try to give it to someone else because no one friggin' knows. Um, <laughs> it, it feels like, like every headline's a little bit different. You'll get You'll get one, like, a national guy like Pat Forty expresses some pessimism about, you know, even the season happening. And then you'll get a headline or talk that, oh, they're going to start in week three. Um, I actually honestly kind of like what the Big 12 is doing or has talked about doing at least where it's kind of getting going in week zero 
and spreading out 10 games over the course of like 16 weeks. I don't mind that on paper. I understand uh, any plan you pick has its uh, faults to it. Um, but I sort of like the idea of uh, – getting getting some games in before the rain comes type of philosophy and also having flexibility with your buys uh but i don't feel like the big 10 is is heading that direction from from what i hear yeah it's it'll it'll be interesting it sounds like early next week is probably when the big 10 is going to roll it out um at least that's what the letter to the the ad's seem to suggest once they get protocols in place uh the fascinating part will be when they start, like like you said, Brian. Because if they, if you go on time for September fifth, uh, it leaves you a little bit of flexibility. But if you push that back much farther, you know you're you're kind of backing yourself in a little bit um, to to try to get ten games in. And as we've yeah, seen, yeah, that's major, what I think. And as we've seen in Major League Baseball, things can change quickly. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I think. Sooner is probably better, and, and giving yourself uh, maximum maneuverability is, is maybe the, the way I'd go. I like how some people have kind of put themselves in a box, too. There was this idea that, oh, all the students have to be on campus for there to be college football. Otherwise, no way that happens. And there were administrators who said that. And now I think some people kind of want to walk that back a little bit, knowing that the best opportunity maybe is actually if you don't have everybody on campus and you, you have the players more in their own bubble and they're just taking their online courses like everybody else and you don't have 20,000 people uh, their age around them. Um, and then, you know, I think a lot of the people have been down on the, the audible possibility of like moving to the spring. And I always think people go too far with that too. I would keep every option open and not publicly – um, knock down any possibility at this point because you might need that possibility. And so I don't get why some of these people have gone on the record or, or have these quotes that, that will knock away certain things when you're dealing with such a fluid situation, you better, you better leave yourself all those options. Yeah. If we've learned nothing else from just watching major league baseball come back, it's that you have to, you have to plan for, a lot of different events at once. It, it sort of feels like, at least to me, that Major League Baseball was shocked that it spread as much as it did amongst the Marlins, was shocked that teams weren't completely following protocol as issues. Like, it's just that, – that's kind of where, you know, the Big Ten being one of those first conferences to just immediately say, all right, we're going to our own, our own schedule, our own conference schedule, and that's what we're going to do makes a lot of sense because you can kind of control that you you cut down the amount of variables by only having you know 14 teams that you have to worry about then you try to really get everything on the same page I'm still skeptical of football happening if there's no in-person classes at some places uh, because you know there's still student athletes it seems odd to me that you would still have activities and events and everything going on but you wouldn't necessarily have in-person classes for people that were supposed to not consider to be employees. And I wonder how the NCAA actually thinks about that. Um, but whatever they can do to make it happen really seems to be the, the kind of driving force to all of us because it's such a valuable property. And I mean, there's so many things that are propped up by the money that college football makes that it, they're going to, I guess how I feel at this point, they're going to at least find a way to try to get games in 
this fall. Whether they can finish a season or not remains to be seen, but I, I think they'll at least find a way to start. If, if you're in a, I asked this of, of Jay Foreman, actually, on Monday, and none of us have been collegiate athletes, with apologies to Brian, who was a 17-sport letter winner uh, at Omaha North but did not choose to pursue ap- athletics in college. How, how do you feel like these guys are kind of able to handle all of this uncertainty? Like, they don't even – you know, you're preparing for football to start August 1, and now that gets pushed back. You don't even really know what your schedule is going to be. You don't know, like – how to even prepare film-wise. Like, I'm just kind of curious, what do you think their mindset is right now? Well, I think they're probably just controlling. I mean, you can only kind of control what you can control. I mean, you show up, you work out, you, you know, the, the, the thing that's going to be tough, I think, though, is if you start messing around with the schedule a lot, you know, coaches like to be in control of everything. And if you're, you know, all of a sudden within a month having to prepare for opponents in a different order or you're adding teams, I mean, that, that's where I think it gets difficult to maybe prepare uh, for, for the season. But I think as an athlete, you know, you, you work out, you, you know, do what you can, and then you, you just kind of get ready when, you know, for when they tell you to get ready. I mean, I, I just don't know how else you can kind of react to that because um, it, it's you know, pretty much out of their control, what I, what ends up happening. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, I can't speak from a student athlete perspective, but I think a lot of us in this country, in a way we can relate by the fact that you don't know exactly what the next day is going to bring um, with people's jobs and all this stuff. And so you do, you do have to really go with that day by day mindset and just, you know, what's in front of me today, I'm going to work at that. And then we'll see what, comes up you know for tomorrow um and athletes are usually really good at that I mean they they kind of spend their whole life building that mindset so they're probably built for that maybe better than some of the rest of us honestly I'd be interested I know there was a poll like a month or two ago that an ESPN writer did where he asked athletes about playing during the pandemic and it was it was a runaway vote that like 85% or something wanted to play. And even if the uh, students weren't on campus, uh, they wanted to play. Um, I'd be intrigued what that vote is now. I still think it would be kind of a runaway vote because I, I just feel like, you know, these guys gear up their whole lives for the opportunity to be on this stage and play in these games. And so it's, it, there is this interesting discussion because it's going to feel like uh, – the NCAA and people are just making money off these athletes and that's all there is. And that that's definitely, there is some truth to that. But I think a lot of these guys really want their opportunity too. you. You only get so many games as a college football player in your life. And every one of those is kind of uh, special uh, to a lot of people. And um, I feel for the recruits who might not get seasons in and all that stuff. I know they want to play. I just think most of these athletes want to get out there and compete um, even knowing the circumstances, but maybe I'm wrong on that. Yeah, no, I just think like that's a kind of a, a difficult spot to be. I mean, obviously everyone's sort of waiting, but it's you. I, I think you get into a certain mindset as you're preparing for something to happen, then it either gets delayed or pushed back, and just the uncertainty of it. I think we'll get old, but you're right. There's not like there's much else for them to do or to be able to focus on. So, but that's what's going to make this season interesting. You know, does Nebraska still start with Purdue? 
opening game? Do they have they been doing film work on that, or have guys been been studying anything in that regard? Like that's that's all out there. Uh, kind of wonder on it. But all right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna switch gears. Nebraska's assistants have been very active on the sports radio side of things here as of late, including Tony Tuioti, Matt Lubick. Uh, I believe Ryan Held was on recently. So we're going to check with BC and Brunts and just kind of see what we need to know from those radio appearances, all of that and more coming up on the Husker 24-7 podcast. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. And we're back. All right, I mentioned that we were going to get into some of these assistant coaches coming on the uh, coming on the, the radio and talking with Sports Nightly. Brunt, who, uh, who have you been interested in hearing from and some of these assistants that have been coming on? Yeah, you know, Tony Tuioti talked last night. I thought I, I was curious to hear from him because you lose three starters along the defensive line, three guys that played a lot of snaps, and you're replacing them with a big group of guys but a very inexperienced group of guys. And a couple of numbers stood out that he just kind of uh, casually tossed out last night. One being that Ty Robinson's up to 325 to 330 pounds. Jordan Riley is over is around three 330. Um, so you know you you put them with snacks in the middle. Um, you, you've got Mosai Newsom that's put on about 30 pounds since he's been on campus. That defensive line, even though they're they're not as experienced, is going to look significantly different than. They have in the past. I mean, these are guys that were that were recruited for a three-four in mind. Uh, they have significant size, but they also have length. I mean, Riley and, and Robinson are both, you know, six-five uh, and really powerful guys at that size. So, you know, kind of keeping that in mind, I think Nebraska and I think Schaefer, you've talked about this how you don't think that defense is going to take that big of a step back and actually has a chance to be a little bit better in 2020. I think up front if those guys can get up to speed quickly, I think they've got a chance to be able to hold up pretty well in a way that Nebraska's run defense maybe hasn't in years past. All right. Well, uh, Brian, what do you think? Who's, who's a coach you've heard from that uh, has caught your attention with something they've had to say on sports nightly? Um, I think Matt Lubick's interesting in just how, you know, here's a guy who he walks into kind of a tough job and right off the bat, he doesn't get to work with his new players. And so you've got to figure out everything sort of from a distance as you connect with those guys. But I think he used a bad situation as good as he possibly could. And he used that extra time to kind of shore up his knowledge of this offense and what they want to do and where they want to go with it. And it was basically used as extra prep time for him uh, as well as some, some recruiting. We saw Matt Lubick's name kind of pop up uh, with some recruits and some wide receivers, and he was pretty good at getting his message across about how they could use skill position guys in the offense. So um, I, I was just interested in a guy who, you know he's like chomping at the bit to 
get around these guys and see what he has. And yet you're in this kind of uh, where the game is paused and it's very difficult. Um, I thought the fact that Wandale Robinson has emerged as sort of the, uh, the big dog in the room is no shock. I thought that was starting to happen in the middle of last year. But I think the fact that he brought up Cade Warner as a guy who's basically a player coach for them right now, um, who's helping get the message across to these guys, well, the coach can't talk to him. This is what we want. This is how we do it. Um, that's a big deal. It's, it's those guys like Cade Warner who are player coach types, I think, across the country who are going to decide successes and failures of teams more than ever this year in kind of if they were able to connect with their peers and get them ready for the season while coaches don't have access to them. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, any, any final thoughts from either one of you before we depart? Eagerly awaiting scheduling news. It's, uh, it's going to be a big, big week next week, like it always, always is and has been since uh, March. We're going to learn a lot next week. I can't tell if that's sarcasm or if that's just kind of like you're not feeling well and you just didn't put much inflection in it. Honestly, Brunts, it's, it's tough to pick up these days. Well, it could be either, um, but uh, big week next week. If this goes on our site Friday, people just got to get outdoors today, like in their backyard, or sit on the ham, lay on the hammock, lay on the hammock. I'm telling you, if you get a hammock and spend 20 minutes a day on there, it's a it's a game changer. I'll I'll, I'll leave you with this question, guys. Um, you you saw the the back and forth yesterday. I'm assuming about whether or not uh, an ant hole. Well, it was give it should allow you relief on the PGA tour. Did did you guys see that? Yep. Should 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 he have should Bryson have gotten some relief there, or was or did they make the right call? <clears throat> no, but I uh, I actually kind of like Bryson. I don't know where you guys stand on him, but I like that he. Just, Can I ask why? I I just like that he screws with the. <laughs> he just he's just I like screwy guys. I like. Uh, Who's the guy who doesn't get along with his family who won the Masters? Uh, what's that? Uh, he listens to uh, Patrick to, Reed. Yeah. Who's the musical group Patrick Reed like? Imagine Dragons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, when I heard that factoid about Patrick Reed and how he's just distant from everybody and they think he's an a-hole, I kind of liked him more. So I guess I gravitate toward those guys a little bit. So you basically, when society rejects somebody, BC's there to pick them up? Especially yeah, a little on, bit. BC would play golf with them, I think, is the takeaway. Yeah, we could pump our uh, Imagine Dragons in the golf cart really loud, and uh, it would be a good time. Okay. I can, uh, I can live with that. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't like Bryson DeChambeau's hat. I don't like his act. I don't like his quotes. Uh, I pretty much just don't like him. I, I'm I'm kind of baffled because he doesn't seem like someone you would like, to be honest. I don't know. I I I think anything that's for golf where it gets a little tension, I I like. I like that more than like Brooks Kepka, who's just really good, but says I'd rather play baseball. You know, like he, he goes the other way with it, or I wish I would have been a baseball player. That, that's where those guys turn me off. But uh, I, can, I can get behind a guy who is, is fighting for every inch with, uh, with relief 
involving fire ants. Here's, here's what I appreciated about that thing yesterday was after, after the whole song and dance with the rules official and whether it was a burrowing animal hole or whether a hole is a hole, um, he, he lines up to take the shot and you can hear the, the back and forth with he and his caddy and his caddy's talking to him and the caddy says, you know, they, they confirm what kind of shot he's going to hit and the caddy says, okay, now be careful. It, but he said it in a way, like, if you were, like, hitting a shot on, like, the lip of the Grand Canyon and you were about ready to fall in, and, you know, it was like, be careful of that one red ant that, that they were able to identify. <laughs> so I, I appreciated that, but I also rolled my eyes at it quite a bit. Well, and no, no relief. Hey, I do have one last thing since we think that this news might come out next week. We'll certainly discuss it on the podcast at that time. But BC, if you were in charge of picking Nebraska's crossover opponent, who are you giving the Huskers this year? Uh, Indiana. Nebraska's got a score to settle with them from last year. I, f- I feel like Indiana, after they won the game, uh, they used it to, to throw a little shade at Nebraska. And uh, I would like to see that rematch. I, I, I think it, it would be one of those games where there would be a sneaky rivalry and sort of dislike that, that both sides have for another uh, that most of people aren't aware of. The, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do because if they – if they don't blow up the schedules, there's only a few teams that Nebraska could potentially add. I think it'd either have to be Michigan State or Maryland, right? Yeah, I was I was looking at it, and um, I mocked one up for my own radio show. But I think Nebraska-Michigan State makes as much sense in part because of what it kind of you can do with the other opponents. Uh, you're not getting a lot of marquee games out of this, but in the one that I put together, Wisconsin-Penn State, would be a matchup that would happen. So you're so I, I also wouldn't mind you know a, a Nebraska Indiana tilt out at Mellencamp's place. Like have Nebraska go on the road, <laughs> just on his lawn. Yeah. Wouldn't Nebraska be at home though because they have five road games? I think that's part of it too. Unless they're just going to blow this up completely, uh, and then they try to you know start from scratch. You know, it's it like they would get that extra game at home. You know, it's somehow going to end up with uh, Nebraska playing Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. In a row. Yeah. On the road somehow, all of them. In November when half their starting defense has tested positive the week before. What was that for the nightmare scenario? Let's think positive thoughts. Let's end with positive thoughts. Hey, I am positive. I think there's going to be football this year. I do too. Yeah. It'll be it'll be a you know what? It's going to be it could be a train wreck, but it also could be the most fascinating fascinating thing you've ever watched play out. So, I don't know. It, it it's going to be a I'm Have you enjoyed I'm, the quarantine sport so far? Like when baseball has come back, I don't know if either of you watched basketball last night, but like have you just been able to to kind of get right back into it? I have uh, with base, baseball. Yeah, baseball's been fine. Uh I don't know. I, I, you guys know how I feel about NBA Twitter, so I was just kind of ignoring it all. But yeah, but you like the NBA, uh, Jen, kind of. Yeah, you're a big Kings guy. That <laughs> yes, 
longtime Kings fan. Um, you but, made your wife put up a Paige Stoyakovich poster in your bedroom. I have a I have a life size Vladi Divac poster in my basement right now. That's how much of a, a Kings guy I am. Yeah, blows, that's right. yeah. He blows kisses to his wife. Like uh, was that Doug Christie or whatever? Yeah, at the free throw line. Used yeah. to do. Oh, I, I I just throw some water on the ground uh, to simulate uh, Vladi's sweat too when he's taking those charges. Like in your early years of college, when you just told everyone to refer to you as Mike B, like Mike Bibby. I mean, I yes. thought that was kind of interesting too. But yes, just like that. So I, I guess the Kings aren't in the bubble, so it doesn't matter. It's probably probably better. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, uh, we will catch up next week. Have a good one.